Welcome back to Baytown Engage. I am happy to have with me Mr. Shay Carter. I want to say welcome back, Carter, so badly, but I, I will not do it. <laughs> you know, funny thing, that was that was actually my favorite show growing up. Yeah, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Everyone was everything was great about that show. Oh yeah. Husband, father, real estate broker. You're on the board of Goose Creek Independent School District. Yes. On the board for HAR. Yes. You are a musician. Yes. All around cool guy. That's debatable. Debatable? Yeah. <laughs> I say you are. Thank you for being on today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you um, so much. As you know, we're doing a series of shows about COVID in Baytown. So yes. I really want to ask you, how has COVID-19 impacted your life so far? Oh, wow. Thankfully, so far, second wave not included. But mm-hmm. thankfully, so far, I haven't had any family members directly impacted by the illness itself. But a lot of ways it has changed many, many things for for me, for my family. After, on, on the sort of the least impactful, mm-hmm. uh, after a, a hiatus from music for five, six years or so, we had finally gotten a new band together and, and finished a recording project. And we're about to do a lot of performing and everything. Yeah. We did our, our first concert right before the pandemic hit. Oh, wow. And of course, haven't been able to hardly even see each other right, since. So right. that's been awkward. But I think on a, a more personal level, the, the real estate industry is already very cyclical. Um, it goes through seasons and it, you know, during the winter, it kind of slows down. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that the summer months is it's, it's crazy. Usually it starts ramping up right as spring break starts to hit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's warming up. Everybody's out of school. Everybody's excited. Spring is in the air and everybody thinks, oh, let's go find a new house or let's hurry up and get our house on the market so that right. when summer hits, we can move to that school we wanted and that kind of thing. And of course, the, the market was just dead for a lot of people for the longest time based on COVID, based on the economy and everything going on related to COVID and, and before COVID actually. And not Everywhere, but large pockets of realtors that I'm that I'm in contact with, you know, it just kind of hit everywhere, and things were very quiet for a very long time. And of course, when we're on lockdown, nobody is wanting to look at houses. Oh, no, nobody can look at not, houses. Right. Nobody's wanting to put their house on the market and have, you know, and the fear of people have lost jobs or right furloughed, and you're not sure what's going to happen. Right. And if you want to sell, will anyone come and look at the house because of social distancing? Yep. Will anyone have money? They're afraid. I have people that I know wanted to put their house on the market. They're afraid of how long it'll be sitting on the market, just sitting there paying for someone to list it and no one coming. Right. Wanting to move and like, what if I lose my job? I don't know what's happening. I may get laid off, you know. Absolutely. At any point in time. So it's really difficult with the economy and right now with that. As as a as a specific example, I had a listing that was about to close. We were about five days away from closing and the buyer lost their job because uh. of all this. And, you know, and then the house goes back on the market and it's been, you know, it just sits. So in those moments, one of the things that I've, I've personally learned the hard way, you know, we kind of seem to learn the best lessons the hard way. You have to fall. (laughs) It has to hurt. It really has to hurt for you to learn that lesson. It does. Mm -hmm. And uh, over the the course of the last 10 to 12 years, one of the lessons that's kind of been a recurring theme in my life is embracing change. Okay. And learning in those moments when there's not a thing you can do. You can't do anything about the pandemic. You can't do anything about the market. You can't do anything about the economy and the housing industry. Looking at, okay, what can I do something about? Right. And just the beauty of that ability to spend more time with my kids, my family. Uh, we built this this garden in the back. We've been nice. talking for a long time about building a, a That's vegetable garden. has been a big garden. thing for people lately. I have seen my yeah. brother has built numerous standing gardens for my sister-in-law and then I have friends who have started a gardening club 
club and they're like on this herb mission of <laughs> you know what? and composting and they're excited about I got praying mantises from my garden and I'm like <laughs> oh, I don't know what that means but they found creative ways to channel their energy which has yeah. been really really nice it seems like this really I don't know if this is the correct usage of this word but it, it seems like it's this really primal thing you know that people baking again and people you know I, I, I tried to do the bake along with Jamie when she did the, the it was it, way complex it, I loved it but mm-hmm. I was just, I was sad that the zoom thing you know bottomed out but look at the text I was like I can't I don't think I can do this right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet I, you know the baking the 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 gardening the getting back to exercising it's like getting back to the fundamental principles of humanity of relationship and generation and you know being these people that aren't just about productivity but do you think it'll stay that way I hope so because I noticed for me you know everything was week by week mm-hmm. so okay we're when the rodeo shut down. I said this before. I was like, okay, this is real. So when the rodeo shut down, I knew it was something important. And then when we shut down here, it was like March 22nd and we were doing curbside. So we were mm-hmm. still in the building. So it wasn't really hitting me like that. Yeah. But then getting home and thinking, okay, I'll just be home until like the 3rd of April. And then every week it was like, you know, we get this text from our director like, okay, I'm like, oh, so we're 13th. Okay, yeah. so we're longer. It was like agonizing for me that it was longer periods of time to where my creativity went out the window. Mm. I was all energized to like, let me declutter and let me, you know, cook and, <laughs> you know, barbecue and work on my yard. And then it went to when will I be let out? Yeah. You know, because I'm by myself. So it was a difference for me. I'm in yeah. this, I'm by myself. That isolation. Isolation. And I'm I'm an introvert, so I'm good with it. But it was different <laughs> because I do it because I want to, not because I'm forced to. <laughs> so You yeah. found out that has an expiration date. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But not that I want to run out and like hug people. It's just like, you know. Yeah. So we it, the question about is that gonna stay? Yeah, well, is it's it gonna good. hang around? I hope so. I mean mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting out. I'm knowing my neighbors better. I'm getting more involved in things that are important to me. You know, personally, I went through this really weird transition near the end of last year. I went through some life changes that I just thought, you know, it was time to get off the treadmill. Okay. And get off of, I don't, I don't mean the tread. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That hamster wheel, you know, and instead of we can we can be so productive that we lose connection with ourselves, with our families, with our community. And it's like we're chasing something that doesn't fill those kinds of Not voids. At all. Not at all. And and learning to, you know, I used to, especially as a realtor, you know, we work all the time. We don't have a normal work week. I have to mow the yard in those pockets of moments where I can find it or, or else right. it goes forever or, right. or or I get my 13-year-old to do it, which is great Which is amazing. Days. But times for self and it, it – because there there are times in my career when I've been sitting in the bed at 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night answering texts from clients. But you set your life up that way. I, I think. did. And I that what I appreciate about COVID, it made me sit down. It made and reevaluate. Me, it made me realize what's really important. Do I have time to rest? I do, but I'm not making the time to rest. Right. So your schedule is that way because you built it that way. Exactly. So, you know, it made you kind of reevaluate how you built your life. And, and the, the funny thing was... I was already in the process of reevaluating that at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. 
and had decided, okay, I'm going to stop answering emails at six o'clock instead of at 10 o'clock. Um, stop answering text messages at eight o'clock instead of 10 or 11 o'clock. Being really protective about refilling myself because I was I was empty. And so I, I had already begun those kind of systems when the, the shutdown happened. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, I wish I had emails to answer. I wish I had text messages. You started missing what you started eliminating. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm personally trying to find that balance again. Not, it's like everybody that was locked down for so long got tired of their houses and realized they want to move. And so real estate has just exploded again. And, and I'm trying to maintain that balance because I... You want to jump at it and get I right do, back into it and get your hands in it. But I also want it to be sustainable. I think yeah. sustainability is a big thing that I've learned through this whole thing is finding those sustainable habits. And that's hard. Yeah. Because I think we're at a manic point. We're mm-hmm. at this point of we're released... Let's do everything. Like, yes. why are we still grocery shopping? I don't know why people are still in the stores buying anything. And it's just we're at this manic point of we have air. Let's take this, breathe, let's do something. But the drop off will happen. Reality yeah. will hit you pretty soon. One day I hope to be able to find yeast again at the <laughs> grocery store. Or sugar. <laughs> or eggs or bread that right. I want to. It's just been ridiculous. So you're a realtor, you're in real estate. That part of your life, you've had to find a balance and you're still working on that. You're on the school board. Yeah. So how has that been, even though you're not directly with the students, how has it been just the spring break happened? You're thinking the kids are coming back. We're going to work on this new school year, whatever you do with the school board. And then bam, no. So I have to applaud our, our teachers and administrators, first mm-hmm. of all. One of the things that I've said often since this whole thing started is that if we as a, as a school board or the administration, if we would have said, okay, folks, we're going to go to a completely online learning system by the fall of the 2021 school year, mm-hmm. everybody everywhere would have said, there's no way we can do it that quickly. We're, it's going to take at least a year to research and do some testing of some software, figure out the best systems, figure out the best you know pedagogy for that kind of thing. And yet, you know, they flipped a switch and, you know, I've got kids in school. I've got a a 13 year old um, that was still in eighth grade at the time. I've got a 16 year old that was still in in her junior year at that point and a 20 year old who didn't have to deal with that necessarily. So that was good. But you turned into a homeschool. Uh, Right. Well, and I wish, I mean, I didn't have to homeschool them. All I had to do was make sure that they were doing their work. I didn't have to come up with the lesson plans or anything. Yeah. I was just the hall monitor. But, you know, they, for our teachers and our administrators at the turn of a dime to say, okay, we have a week to figure this out. And in three days, it was complete. And was it a perfect system? By no means, but it did the job and we made it through and they did it at the turn of a dime and nobody was shaking the rafters or complaining, you know, and bellowing these horrible things about everybody just did it with such grace and positivity. It was, it was amazing to see that happen from the inside. And the patience they had to have. Yeah. But this is the flip of it that I, I always say to my friends. Now, when you did the on the dime, many companies were like, we, you can't work from home. Now you are. What do you say to them now? Can't put that but back in Pandora's box. You can't put box. it back because now when you want to make a change come fall 2020, we can't do that. But you did it in two or three days. Yeah. You had a week to get eight weeks worth of stuff put online. So. Well, now we've got a, t- a chance to really see what's equitable, what works. You know, one of the things we are really 
concerned about as a board was how do you lose that, you know, or shore up that technological divide mm -hmm. if, if people are at home and they don't have internet access? Or, you know, how many of our students, that breakfast and lunch that they get at school are the only meals they get during the day? And how do we maintain that? So now we've got some time to really figure out how to address those issues. Should we have to continue that in the fall? And I think it really opened up. What I what I realized with people, if it's not their experience, they're totally oblivious to it. Right. And their eyes are closed to it and they're blind to it. And they're like, what do you mean? I don't understand. Everyone, ha everyone doesn't have internet. Right. Or they may only have one computer or a slow service. Everyone doesn't have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like right. when they're in school, that's their breakfast and lunch. And they're going hungry until breakfast again. Yeah. And I feel that it opened up many people's eyes to the idea of everyone is not at the same level. And you can't be blind to it because we're all going through this. You know, and, and that I feel I feel bad in a, in a lot of ways because, you know, even in the beginning of this conversation, I'm talking about, oh, I did this garden and I'm doing all these things. And, <laughs> the guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what about folks that couldn't do that? And and so oddly enough, I think that our shared experiences and our opening of, of our eyes to the experiences of others and that inequity that's around there, I think that has really changed how we are interacting with what's going on right now. Yes. It's just, it went straight from one to the other. And I, I don't want to get ahead of anything, but, <laughs> yeah. but I think that's possibly very, very integral to why there's such a global response to, to George Floyd's death that there hasn't been to other deaths before. I think for me, we're all moving so quickly in life mm. and everything is either it's clickbait or it's a quick, oh, that's sad. And you keep moving. You keep right. moving. There's some great Black Mirror and there's some other stuff I've seen mm -hmm. on TV where it pops up. Oh, that's awful. And then they keep moving. We've all been forced to sit down and we have to check the news for updates or whatever we have to do. And so now when things happen, it's in your face. You can't you can't ignore it. You can't say I'm going to work. You can't get distracted. You can't get distracted. <clears throat> yeah. And when we all go through COVID and it's a worldwide pandemic and we're all suffering job loss, um, not able to feed your family, whatever that is, we're experiencing it in some way or you know someone going through it. And then you have something that's been going on for decades happen once again. You can't ignore it. Right. And I feel that everyone's raw behind COVID and seeing how why everyone can't get testing. I don't understand what's going on. Why am I losing my job and this one has so you're all having these these emotions and then you're forced to see the injustice of what's going on with and Mr. Floyd is it's not only about him right it's about the overall this is not new it's about the the centuries of systemic yeah. issues so I think it's when it's forced in your face, what do you do about it? And so we've had things happen before in this world where, oh, okay, that's happening in Texas hurricane or that's <laughs> an earthquake or that's a monsoon or tsunami. It's them. It's always them. Yeah. But when it comes to the discussion of race and injustice, when it comes to people of color, it's everywhere. And then you have everyone speaking up about, you know, people think everywhere is better. If you're a person of color, you go through it wherever you live and you recognize it. It's not just a U.S. thing. It's across the globe. And when you're made to sit down and watch the world news... <laughs> <laughs> and you're seeing how things are handled and you hear about, well, they've had this happen before. We had a situation in 2018, 2019, and 2020. And it's like, what do you do about it? So now you're forced to pay attention. So 
That's my thought on that. Yeah, right there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're familiar. There's a there's an Instagram account that I follow that my wife turned me on to the the Nap Ministry. It's all about how you know, sort of this. If you could probably summarize the entire sort of ethos of this organization, it's that our bodies weren't made to be a cog in a wheel. Mm. Our bodies were made, and 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 resting is an act of revolution. And it, there's a reset that happens with that. And I think I think the world, while it was going through, and still is, but you know, especially the early days of going through that pandemic, it's like it hit a reset button of, of exactly what you're saying. And it, and it sort of cleared the cash mm-hmm. so that we're seeing things a little bit differently than we saw them before. And it's interesting for me, being a woman of color, and the questions and the and it's uncomfortable. Mm. It's very uncomfortable because it's exhausting trying to when you're forced in education to learn about something that has nothing to do with you, or it it does, but it's not a hundred percent accurate. And now everyone wants to. Well, what do I need to do? Well, I was forced. You, it's hardly hard not to say, hey. Just do some research. Have a conversation. How blind are you to what's going on? There's things that happen every year. You had a Starbucks situation. You have a plane situation. You have a cop situation. There's always something happening to where there's a buildup from 2017 of people getting called on by the cop, by citizens for no apparent reason. Are you blind? Are you? How are you not aware of that? But I had to tell myself that's not the reality. Mm. So if it's not your reality and your world is what it is, you'll never truly understand. And it's just really exhausting because I just hope that it doesn't get washed away as so many things have. But I don't feel it will because this has been going on now over a week or going on two weeks and it's growing more and more and more. And it's just really interesting to see the concern. And I I try to tell, explain to people, we have to exercise grace and patience with people who ask questions who do not look like us or look like me because they truly don't understand that wasn't their reality. And just be patient because it may not come out the right way. The question may not come out the right way. And just exercise patience. And if you don't want to, then don't. And it's just, it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable to live through this world and walk around right now with, you're pinpointed for COVID because you're the at-risk group, people of color. Now you have this happening and that's another divide. You know, we're divided with COVID. Right. People believe it or they don't. Or why we still have to wear a mask or why are we still distancing? And people not respecting if I choose a distance, you, you know, respecting that, and now you have this going on, and they're trying to do well. If they're out there protesting and marching, they're not social distancing. Don't do that. Right. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. It's just, it's just hard. And I think I agree with you. This has been a reset. It's been a a forced awakening to what's really going on in the world and what society really looks like for some people, because that's some people's reality. Yeah. Complete reality. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like, oh, it's happening again. It wasn't anything new. And that's sad that I'm numb to that, you know. But it's also sad that some people are just like, what's going on? What do you mean? You know, they don't have to explain to their kids how to carry themselves and how to speak or how to not be seen. You know, and and when I first understood that with every single black man I know, 
Mm-hmm. And and every single family of color, they have to have those difficult conversations with their boys, especially, but with their kids of you cannot put yourself in a situation where you could be hurt. And recently I had a friend of mine that another, a, a, a fellow realtor, but I, he and I went through a year long program together. He's just a, an amazing person and um, the gentlest, kindest person you would ever know. And Kyle did this, this Facebook live video last week, maybe. And he'd been pulled over and he's not the kind to do this at all. It was just to help his white friends understand some context. Mm-hmm. And he, he did this Facebook live video sitting in his car and he says, look, I, I just, I want to just share this experience with you guys. I, I just got pulled over. I got pulled over for making a right hand turn too far away from the curb. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I don't even know. I never knew that was a thing. I never knew that was a thing. It and happens, it's happened to me. <laughs> has it really? Uh-huh. And he said, you know, the, I, I told the officer, look, my driver's license is in my wallet. So, you know, I'm going to have to unbuckle my seatbelt and I, I just want you to know I'm going to have to kind of reach around to get it, but that's all I'm doing. And the cop said to me, well, hey, that's fine. You know, in fact, if it'd be easier, you can step out of your car. And and he said, you know, there's no way I'm going to step out of my car. No. And, you know, you were shaking your head before I said, you knew where it was going and <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. In my mind, I, I thought, okay, yeah, sure, I'll step out. No. Because it's just a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And yet my lack of experience doesn't invalidate yours. No. And there's absolutely no way to ever get beyond this if if people like me won't shut up and listen. Yes. <laughs> I agree with you. And I don't think you have to shut up and listen. Uh, a friend of mine was asking, you know, what do you do? What do I say? And I said, you say nothing for a while until you are able to formulate the question in your mind. And when you say it with compassion and, and understanding and others on the other side, read the room, are calm enough to under, to accept your question. Right. Because the frustration is choking. Mm. It's a constant. You know how you want to cry sometimes just sitting in your throat? It's That's constant. Yeah. You know, when we're driving, and the lights start flashing. You're automatically thinking, Where are all, where's all my stuff? Mm. Is my car too nice? Um, how am I dressed right now? Make sure that you lessen your tone. Mm. Because as a woman of color, the other layer of that is we're aggressive. We're loud. Mm. And when I made the right turn, I was in Carthage, Texas. Mm. I've gotten stopped in Carthage, Texas. Yeah, it's about <laughs> that big yep. on my way to Shreveport. And... Uh, <laughs> And the cop car, the they had 18-wheeler pulled over far up on the side. And I'm turning to, on the 79. Mm. I made the turn. I'm driving. Three cars roll up. One pulls in front and the two get behind. And they're like... Three uh, cars. Three cars pull up. And I'm in the car with a friend of mine. We're on our way to Shreveport to my godchild's christening. And I'm like, why am I getting stopped? And an instant, the heat and the frustration, because I'm far from home. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a town in the middle of nowhere, as you well know. Oh, yeah. And so he pulls out. He says, you're not from here. What are you doing here? I said, well, trying to remain calm because I'm far from home. And I said, I'm on my way to Shreveport. Why this way? I just choose to come this way. Do you know you almost hit me? I said, I, I, I figured I was yards away from this person. And they're like, you know, you made that right turn too wide. You could have hit someone in the other lane, but yet I almost hit him. And it was a lot. And so, I, you know, you have to mute yourself because if I looked like you, I wouldn't have to mute myself. Or if I was a, a white woman, I, I wouldn't have to mute myself. Right. But I had to sit there and like, okay, what's all this luggage in the back? I'm on my way to Shreveport. There's two of us. We're going to be there for a few days. I'm going for a christening. They're asking you all these questions to trip you up. 
right. see what's going on. And uh, I mean, at that time, I was in an Impala, you know, not even the nice, you know, SS Impala, you know, like a regular <laughs> Impala. And you're just sitting there and they walk away with your ID and you're wondering every second what's about to happen. Yeah. Am I about to get hauled away in Carthage, Texas, when their jail literally is the size of this room? Oh, yeah. And then my friends, she's getting upset. And I'm like, they have no idea who we are. My ID says Baytown, Texas. Uh, I'm in Carthage. They may not see many of me here. Let's just keep it calm. And they gave me a warning, which means as I'm driving, every cop will run my plate and see there's a warning probably for me that I have to deal with. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just a, it's an everyday way of life that we've ha- always had to adjust to fit in at work, just shopping, driving. If your car is too nice, it can be a problem. If your windows are tinted too dark, it can be a problem. Mm-hmm. If it's too late at night, it can be a problem. And just how you react can be a problem every day. It could have been, I mean, George Floyd may have had a record or whatever his past may have been. It doesn't matter as a human being. It could have been a, a college student yeah. running through a neighborhood, just looking at homes, getting right. shot down. That's just our reality. Yeah, And it's... It's choking and frustrating trying to explain when you shouldn't have to. There's been genocide in this country for for decades and yeah. not just us. You know what I mean? Right. So I understand. Sorry to get so. No, 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 no. I mean, it's just, you, you know, know, on on the HAR board, I've got a, a dear friend that's on the board with me. His name is Shad Bogany. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shad and I had a conversation a while back and, and I just asked him. I don't remember exactly why the conversation came up. But he and I frequently talk about issues of race. And he's been one of those guys that's just been so forgiving and patient to come alongside me and help me understand things that mm-hmm. aren't in my experience. And he suggested I read a book called The Color of Law. And I thought, that sounds really great. I'll, I'll it's start. a thick read. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> but oh my God, it was just such an eye-opening experience. You know, it's easy to, to say the words systemic racism and it's easy to either believe it or not believe it or whatever but when there's a book like this that outlines how deeply entrenched it is and not just how but why why those laws were written the way they were the purpose behind them and the ways it affected entire communities and set up for generations and generations of hardship that was that was such a, an eye opener for me that are still in place yes they're they're still there that's that's not stuff from a long time no. ago and these laws are still written and it it wasn't that long ago no and you had laws where you could not either you're in real estate you couldn't sell a home to someone of color it's, it's it was law even if you wanted to no matter what you felt you couldn't you couldn't lend money to someone who was of color right so then you had people befriending people who look like you to help them get these things and buy property or you'd get your stuff taken away from you, you I know? was I was floored when I first really understood the fact that the FHA wasn't instituted to help people of color get housing it was to help white people get yeah. housing in a housing shortage yeah absolutely and that was that was specified very clearly when they were formed yeah, there's a. Um, I'll send it to you after this. There's a link on Instagram. A young lady named Kimberly 
some Latrice something, and she did a great speech, and she was she's been nominated for different awards. On she explained racism as monopoly, mm. and how for so for four hundred years, you know, we were playing this game, but not able to obtain anything. Mm. We were playing it for you, and then when you had freedom for fifty years, we're playing the game, but we're at a loss, at a deficit, and then you're also playing the game. But it was just so beautifully put together with so much passion, and I can't even do it justice. But it explained if anyone thinks that way. They'll understand what she's saying. You're playing this game and you're playing it for someone else. Yeah. And you're breaking your back for someone else to obtain nothing. And now you're playing a game just to work alongside and still have nothing and still have these barriers around you. And it's almost like, why am I still playing this game when it's not ever going to benefit me? Right. And that's the automatic frustration. And I think... You know, fun, living in Baytown, it's just interesting to me for anyone to not understand the division. Just living in the South, if people don't see it and feel it. But if it's not your reality or you choose to be blind to it, you'll never understand it. Yeah. And it's really, really hard sometimes, especially right now, walking around, remaining calm and patient. And people thinking you may blow up at any point in time. Or they're, <laughs> they're talking to you with, like, you know, gloves on. And how are you doing? What's going on? I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I do want to say thank you for coming in. Sure. It's been a great conversation. I will have to have you back to continue our conversation on what's going on in the world because it, this is going to be a continuing situation that needs to be addressed. Great. And Shay Carter, Mr. Carter, I, just, I had to. I had to do it. I had to do it. I wish you all the best in Thank your you. business. I hope your family is well. Thank you. Hope you get your band together and going to be rocking it out yeah. uh, pretty soon. Where can we find you on social media and your business? Um, so you can go to shakehotter.com or, or, you know, with Facebook, with Instagram, with Twitter. I think you can everywhere else. My, my username is just the Shay man, just T-H-A-S-H-A-E-M-A-N. You're famous. So. You're famous. I think you're, I think you're famous. People love you. People love you. <laughs> Some people. Some yeah. people, not so much. <laughs> Same thing with me. You know, either you like me or you don't. Right. Thank you once again. We will definitely try to follow you. And Thank you. I really appreciated this conversation. Yeah. Until next time. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Baytown Engage. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. Stay tuned.